Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show, obviously, where we uh, overthink the news so you can get your brain back to, uh, to writing your books. Uh, with me, uh, well, I'm Roland Denzel, indestructible author, and you can. I'm here with uh, three of my uh, my author buddies. Would you guys go around the virtual room here and introduce yourself? Let's start with uh, let's start with Jim. Hey, I'm Jim Heskett, and as described, I am an author and a buddy of Roland Denzel. <laughs> I'm glad you're both. I'm Nick. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm quite destructible. Um, you can find me online. The internet has me. You're emotionally, emotionally destructible. What? You're emotionally destructible. You're I'm very... physically destructible too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. well, they call me. They do call me the destructible author. Oh, okay. It's a website and everything. Man, I should have got that domain while I had the chance. <laughs> so I'm, I am Craig, and I think I've already been destructed. But either way, uh, authors well and. I claim all three of these guys as buddies. If they do that in return, it's up to them. But I'm happy to be here regardless. <laughs> oh, well, 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 welcome to Author News Weekly. And uh, we've got some, some really cool news this week. I was actually, the first one we're going to talk about is from Publishers Weekly. And it's um, bookshop.org. You've all heard of that. They kind of got, um, I think they were in existence before the pandemic. But they really sort of took off during the pandemic when um, it became apparent that a lot of when we couldn't go to stores as easily and a lot of um, smaller bookstores didn't have an online store of their own. So they uh, stepped up and offered a way for a lot of independent bookstores to sell books on their own. And um, I've been buying that, buying through them for quite a while now. And uh, they recently announced a couple of big things, starting with they're going to be selling ebooks. Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool. What do you think about that? Uh, Anybody? I mean, I'll, I'll probably, I'll just going to have to give my general bookshop.org disclaimer here. They're not British. All right, oh, never wait, mind. No, they, maybe they are. No, I'm just kidding. No, they no, are. No. Um, but uh, I don't know what they do. Like, I, I've always felt like Bookshop is this child of it, like some some child of a publishing executive's like summer project, like internship thing. Like, they were like, "We're gonna fix publishing, and we're gonna make indie bookstores radical again." And then they just came out with a cool, pretty website. It's not really doing anything, and like their their author side is just. I mean, it's really just kind of pandering to authors it's just an affiliate link you know it's not even really like an author's side to it i just i'm very confused about their i don't know man it's hard to it's hard to clarify what it is i don't think it's bad they're not doing anything wrong it's not nefarious but i just don't really get what their business model is other than just being like trying to take over the point of sale systems for indie indie bookstores 
Isn't that enough? Is it? Is it enough, Roland? (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If it replaces the stupid square point of sale terminals that ask me to tip 75% every fucking time, um, then they can go ahead and do it. They can go ahead and take over because I'm done with that. Is that happen at indie bookstores? Indie bookstores are asking for tips. I don't know. I'm just saying. They should be giving you tips on which book to read. It should be. That's the other problem I have with indie bookstores. It's like, hey, this is great. I love you guys. This is awesome. You're way better than, you know, the... Uh, the ones we shall not speak of, like Barnes and Noble, but I mean, half the people there don't understand. You know, they don't read books; they're just high school part-time employees. Well, I'm just surprised that anything really regarding eBooks is news. Like we now have eBooks. Like the rest of eBooks, I don't know. It just seemed a little bit odd to me. It's like doesn't everybody now? It's sort of a thing. I don't know. Um. Jim looks like he has something to say. Well, I'm, I was really trying to think about when we, we talked about bookshop.org maybe a year ago. And I can't remember. There was something slightly nefarious about what they were doing with promoting uh, smaller bookstores, but I can't remember now, but in general, I'd say, you know, anytime there's a competitor in any capacity to Amazon, Mm. I'm in favor of it because, you know, I have a serious love hate relationship with Amazon because they've they've enabled me to have a career as an author, but they're also probably one of the most evil companies on the planet at the same time. Um, and I'm very much opposed to Amazon having monopoly on eBooks, which they do. So anytime there's somebody, another way to get eBooks, another way, especially to prop up mom and pops and small business, I'm very much in favor of that. Um, so you know, the more players in the market there are, the better. Even though you know it probably won't hardly make a dent in what Amazon does. This is sort of interesting. They're talking about maybe doing some publishing or a publishing, um, but other books that they would publish, uh, quote, they just have to be willing to opt out of potential sales on, on Amazon. So this wouldn't be another way to just be off of them. It's like anti-Amazon publishing is the subheading of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they specifically in here say that it's not going to be available on Amazon. And so it's like, all right, well, that book's not going to work. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to say that the book is going to show up on Amazon. It's just that because if they're going to be selling through to independent bookstores, it's going to be in the Ingram catalog. Indie authors, indie bookstores will be able to buy it. That means that those people who run their own little quote unquote bookstores on Amazon. I'm not talking about indie authors, but the people who resell your used books and resell new books, you know, or just list them and then buy them print on demand when they show up, they're going to be selling these books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So like, wouldn't you rather be, you know, you're, so you, you're only going to make that tiny little cut rather than your actual cut that you could be making if you listed yourself on Amazon or if, or if this publishing company listed on Amazon. Right? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jim, like Amazon sucks. But that's also given us a career. So you, you can't hate it too bad, too much. You guys are like the orcs in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, you know, Fawn sucks, but like, look at it. We'll go get all the jobs. <laughs> Give us something to do, you know? I think with, yeah, it's, if you, man, I'm sorry. I don't know who Lydia Davis is. I'm sure she's a sweet, kind, gentle woman. Uh, I'm sure her collection of short fiction is great. But she's not going to topple Amazon with this one book. It, this, I mean, for for this like kind of statement, 
it needs to be a Hugh Howie. I know we're going to talk about him later, right? Like it needs to be a, a, a Michelle Obama. Like it needs to be somebody like, I don't know, with some clout who says, I'm not going to sell this book on Amazon. The only place to get it is bookshop.org. Not some collection of short fiction that literally no other publisher wanted. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. All that's going to happen is she's going to be disappointed and once again jaded by the publishing industry that her book didn't sell because you know this, it's not available on Amazon. You know what this reminds me of? Like I have um, a couple of friends, one in particular, who they have kind of niche hobbies. And they open this little club uh, downtown in, in their home city um, and try to get people to go. And of course, within a year, I think it closed because nobody was interested in that niche hobby. They keep trying to make it happen, pouring money into it, opening it. It's like, this just isn't a thing. Like, you know, it's like there aren't enough people interested in what you're doing to make it work. And that's why, how I feel with this anti-Amazon stuff. It's just... That's exactly right, man. Like, it's it, there's nothing that is um, blue ocean different from Amazon. Does that make sense? Like, the, the, the problem we're all trying to solve is how can we sell books better? And Amazon has already solved that problem. For everybody around the world, that's the best way to sell books and buy books. Period. It's not it's perfect. Like, it's far from it, but it's the best way. Remember a couple months ago with Brandon Sanderson bucking Audible. I'm sure Brandon Sanderson was not the first author to buck Audible, but it was the exactly. first one we heard about because he was the first big name to do it. Precisely. Yeah, and I think like like Nick said, and like you're you're saying now, Jim, it's like that's what it's going to take in order to make waves is somebody of that caliber. You know, somebody of that. Um, somebody who's that big of an author and multiples, like right? take one to start yeah. it. And then other ones will say, yeah, I'm, you know, Hey, I know that I've had coffee with Brandon Sanderson. I'm going to do what he did too. Cause I, you know, but it's like these little, little things they don't. I, I so I think what it does is with the little, the small, I'm going to say I'm a little author, right. I'm, I mean, I'm six one, but I'm little in the author space. Right. Is the, like, if I didn't put my books on Amazon, I wouldn't be selling many books. Like, and it would just hurt my author career. So we have to use like sort of what's available to us. And um, we can also put our books other places. So we give our readers the ability to buy books where they want to buy books. And we can even encourage them to buy the books in other places and buy direct. But um, I think it's it's tough to, to not sell your book on Amazon. Now, but one thing I could say is like, I could see if they had a strategy where we're not going to launch on Amazon right away. Like we're going to, if you want this book and let's, again, if you're like, if you have a big following, we're going to make the book available at indie bookstores only. And then after a certain period of time, then we will launch on Amazon. So if there's a, if you're a big fan of Jim Heskett's books and he launches on bookshop.org and indie, indie bookstores, you can get them for the first 30 days maybe. And then like, so if you really want to get it, you're going to, you're still going to do it because you're a super fan of Jim. And then, but then the new people are searching on Amazon for his books or for books like Jim's. And that's where you're going to be found primarily. One of the things that um, Wizards of the Coast, who publishes Dungeons and Dragons, one thing marketing thing they do, I think is really smart is every time they come out with a new book, it has a standard cover and that's what you get on Amazon or what you get from the Wizards of the Coast website. But they also release an alternate cover for every book that they release. And those alternate covers are only available at local game stores. It's the only place you can get them. 
And so then it becomes a status symbol thing. So if you show up to Dungeons and Dragons with your special alt cover on your book, everybody knows that you didn't buy it from Amazon. Everybody knows you went to the actual game store to get it. And I think that's, that's super smart cool. and a way to prop up a way to make people feel special and to prop up game stores at the same time. Yeah, it's like a status symbol, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a virtue signaling as well. You know, like you, you're, you know, depending on your, depending on your, on your political bent. Like if you are anti big company, like that could be, you know, I mean, I, I made it sound like virtual signaling is bad, but virtual signaling in this case, virtue signaling in this case could be like spreading the word. Like, Hey, you know, this is something that, um, you could have too, if only you supported the, the local, local businesses or the smaller businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do find it interesting. I know when you, when I look in this bookshop in that article, they say they're launching with a, like you can read the eBooks like in a web browser, like no one's going to do that. Right. <laughs> but, and they're also going to come up with an, <clears throat> going to come up with an app. If these people reached out to book funnel, they would have an app and they'd be, they would be selling eBooks today. Yeah. Again, like this all goes back that. to the whole like the the problem we tried to solve was what's the best way to purchase and read books digitally? And Amazon did that, and they did it so well that they had a couple competitors also make their own devices to buy and sell and read. Uh, sorry, to buy and read eBooks called the Nook. And um, what was uh, what was Borders thing that they had? The what was that? I don't know. They had one too, right? I don't think they did. No, Didn't they go, go on was it, maybe they just partnered with Kobo. Is that what it was? They just partnered with Kobo. Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. You know, it's like, but then they forgot that the whole point of it was books, and Amazon doubled down on the ebook side and gave authors the ability to do all the shit. While Barnes Noble was like, actually, we're just going to sell coffee and bullshit, um, and forget the forget the books. No one comes here for books. Everybody wants calendars and journals. Um, they just, they, they, they went backwards, you know? And so you're exactly right. Like this, if they want to work this to work people, the first question they're going to say when people buy an ebook is how do I get it on my Kindle? Right. And so they need to come up with some solution that doesn't involve Amazon at all. If they want to actually remove themselves from the Amazon ecosystem. And I, I don't have any faith that there's any company right now able to do it. Now, I'll say this again. I've said it before. If they want to make me CEO of Barnes & Noble, I'll do it. I know how. I know how. But <laughs> I keep telling the them, team, and they're Nick. like, nope, we're just going to pass you over. You don't have any experience as a CEO. And I'm like, you guys are – go sell your bullshit. Let me know how it goes. It bothers me with when these companies, they they try to take on Amazon and they launch – you know, apps and devices and whatnot, and everybody gets on, well, not everybody, a few people <laughs> get on board because they are also want to take down Amazon. And then they stop supporting all the devices and stuff. And so all these people have gone along with them are just sort of going to set adrift. Like, oh, yeah, like I get, I, I still, yeah, well, I can still get emails from readers. Like, why is it, I need a, a file for such and such archaic device. It's like, right. And then they get angry when I, if I can't provide it, like, well, I can't read it. Well, like, well, what do you expect me to do? Like, it's, <laughs> Y'all got that book in Blackberry format. Right. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And it's, I do kind of feel for them because they, they bought into this new hype, which bookshop.org to me sort of seems a bit superfluous, but they're just trying to do it again. And people are going to try to go along with it and they're going to end up high and dry. 
Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I did think that, you know, Barnes and Noble had a good, I mean, I don't think it's not one company is not going to take over or knock Amazon down a bunch of notches, but like collectively, you know, if you add up, if Barnes and Noble stepped up a little bit more, if bookshop.org stepped up a little bit more, if Apple, like if Google, I mean, there are companies out there that have a, they have so much money and so much power that aren't doing anything in the ebook space where they, they are doing something in the ebook space, but it's basically nothing. Um, you know, they could level at least help to level collectively help to level the playing field, but they don't, but they don't, but they don't, but they don't. Have we beat this to death? The belabored horse is beat. Okay. Let's go on to something a little more positive. Not that that wasn't positive, but I love talking about bullshit that Barnes and Noble sells. Let's go to the next one. And this is a, you guys have missed my positive outlook on all the news. Haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) Another publisher's weekly article, which um, sort of, shows us that despite what quote unquote they say mm. they meaning traditional big, traditional publishing nielsen book scan and big um you know like the new york times ebooks are not dead in fact according to this it looks like they're going pretty strong especially for indie authors i'm curious um does it say in here what they're what bowker is claiming his self-published isbn to be is it just mean? an ISBN that is assigned to a publisher they've never heard of? Um, you know, it doesn't really go into that. I mean, I, I guess I assumed that it was. Because by, by way of example, it was I not, purchased oh, an ISBN. 100 ISBNs. Um, sorry, you froze. I didn't know you were, you were going to say something. I apologize for talking over you. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that. I mean, similar. Like, I think that they probably do some sort of um, they know which imprints are, you know, traditional publishing or that they have a pretty good idea of which ones. And then I think the ones that are left over are either small presses or, or Indies themselves. And maybe it's based on the number. Maybe it's based purely on the number of, or maybe they have a special deal with traditional publishers that, you know, we're not able to get. It's curious. I'm just curious. Cause I, like I said, by way of example, I've got a hundred ISBNs that I assign to my books, which I publish through conundrum publishing, which is the publishing company I own but which is by definition traditional. And so yeah. I'm just, I'm obviously I'm not on any list of traditional. Publishers. No, no, no. You do how they you, kind of make that. No, you're on a list, but not list. that. Not um, that list. It's a different But list. you do bring up a good point because if you look at the numbers for 2019, there was a huge surge. In fact, it even talks about it in the article that there was a huge surge in 2019 when a major self-publishing platform, probably, you know, who knows, you know, Amazon or whatever, bought, you know, several million in, in one batch. So maybe that's what it, yeah, you know, so is when they count a huge major self publishing platform, I mean, that's one, um, maybe they, you know, I don't know, like they do ask in your when you buy the ISBN, you know, when you when you use it, they ask a few questions, I just don't know if they can determine or, or somewhat determine in there what level of business you are and whether you're indie yourself or a small press or whatever. I don't remember. Yeah, well, in, in the interest of making this not too optimistic, um, this is when I rant about ISBNs being a, a racket. Um, I think it's bullshit. It's I agree. Bullshit. I mean, Canada, it's free. You get an you get ISBN number, you just ask them, then they give you one. 
totally free. So I'm wondering when we're going to see a company that is legally and maybe even physically based in Canada selling ISBN numbers from Canada to anyone in the world who wants an ISBN number. Yeah, I mean, I think there was some to. sort of. I think I, re I read about this once, and there was some sort of a treaty, like an international, like oh, the geez. way that international in the in the ISB I stands for international, right? And they came up with something yeah. that was like, and for some reason, like different countries decided how they were going to distribute these, and most countries have some sort of a government entity that distributes them, and um, instead, our government. You know, this is like where, like. I don't want government's hand in everything, but also think it's bullshit that to buy one ISBN. How much is one ISBN? Like 150, dollars $125. Yeah, that is ridiculous. And like, and it's and if you buy ten, it's like five hundred dollars. And if you buy or three hundred dollars, something like that. And then if you buy like a thousand or five hundred, it's like this. You know, like they might as well be free each, per yeah. yeah. And it's just ridiculous. And it's totally a it's totally a scam. And the government, the government let this let this company get away with it. Yeah, it's and then, and, and and if you're an author listening to this. All the other things that Bowker tries to sell you, don't take them. Like, oh don't take yeah, the, you know, the barcodes and stuff like that because you can do all that yourself or your, or your might as well be a the self-publishing company will do that. Bullshit, they try to sell me a checkout. Yeah. Any any self-publishing metric that ignores ASINs, uh, the Amazon SIN number, is completely irrelevant. It's in, mm -hmm. in Bowker's best interest to pretend that ASINs don't exist. You know, because I would wager that the vast majority of self-published books do not have an ISBN. Right. Your ebook doesn't need one. Um, Bowker doesn't want you to know that. Here's what they don't want you to know: you don't need an ISBN for your ebook <laughs> at all. But they get one though, right? When you like, if you choose, I mean, you don't have. You have to have one on Amazon. Um, but it's either the free one. No, no, no. Amazon for e books. There's no ISBN. It's an ASIN for ebooks. I'm pretty sure. Like, if you is that true? Yeah, there's no Maybe ISBN. So it's just if you distribute through De Drafted Digital or some of those other ones. Some of the some publishing companies do require you free to ISBN have it. They don't have their own. Amazon created its own identifier. So other places like Drafted Digital will give you an actual ISBN that they've purchased, but mm. that is for the ebook version through them through them. Uh, so I it's going to have Drafted okay. Digital on that, right? It, I just like, oh, if you go right sense. now. I'm on there's a uh, page numbers source ISBN, which isn't the same ISBN 13. Um, they, they, the ISBN doesn't exist for all intents and purposes for ebooks, but if you publish through Amazon a print book, then you can do the same thing where you get a create space assigned mm. ISBN because whoever's working there is too lazy to change that to uh, Amazon. Okay. It's been a while since I've done it, uh, since I haven't used my own ISBN. So, like, well, aren't you fancy? Hmm. <laughs> well, I don't have as many books as you, so I don't. You know, I'm still on my first ten, or not my second ten. But the so I, so I do remember that for print. But I just sort of in my mind, I assumed that if you you could use an ISBN on Amazon or accept their free one. But maybe you don't need a free one on ISBN. I'm a free one on Amazon, like you do on the other platforms. Yeah, the thing is, if you buy your own ISBN, you can use it anywhere. But if you accept the one that Amazon gives you, you can only use that to sell on Amazon. 
which I don't know if that really matters, but that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, so yeah, so despite the fact that this is disingenuous and traditional publishing and book scan, they're all just being disingenuous for their own, I, I think related reasons. Um, I do think it's interesting that unlike the, unlike trad, Bowker is actually, you know, saying that indie books are doing well. So, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's brave. But, it's not brave. You know. It's not brave. What's going to happen is people are going to go, oh my God, Bowker is on our side. Let's go buy a bunch of ISBNs yep. from him. Yeah, that's what I think, right? <laughs> I mean, Bowker doesn't care if it's self or traditional. Long time it. But yeah, I think, I for, the long, for, I think for the longest time they wanted to sell them, but they just didn't want to come out and say anything because they didn't want to, to tick off traditional publishing. Why? There's no one else to buy these things from. <laughs> well, now traditional has to go buy them from them anyway. I know. I just right. wonder, like, who Bow? Like, is it just one guy named Bowker in a basement selling yeah, all these? Yeah, Bob Bowker. <laughs> Isn't that the guy from Sean on Ah with a really deep Price voice? Price is wrong, Bob Bowker. <laughs> Quite a racket you got there, Bob. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, let's get some super. Well, I'm, we can always take something positive and make it negative. So let's see what oh, happens yeah. here. Let's do this next one. Okay, so in the last couple of years, we've seen. A couple of properties from indie authors go to the big screen and to the what do you call it? It's not TV. Streaming isn't television. Are we just just calling it streaming? It sounds weird to call it the small screen, um, especially considering the size of uh, some people's screens these days. Um, but Hugh Howey's Wool, um, which is started off as an indie uh, an indie book. Uh, you know, took off over the years, and it's now coming to Apple TV and AMC. Yeah. I used to follow Hugh Howey's blog pretty religiously before he started sailing around the world and stopped posting very much, but it was probably 2016, 2017. Uh, the silo series had only been out for a couple of years and he had, it was probably earlier than that because it was before they made the Martian because Ridley Scott was initially interested in wool and then ended up making the Martian. And, and I remember Hugh Howie had a blog post saying, you know, like it's been optioned. Did they're interested? We're in talks. And he said, but I won't believe it's real until I'm sitting in the seat with my popcorn. And of course that didn't happen, but now like I'm seeing actual trailers for silo and that first book, really the first two books, the third book wasn't very good, but the first two books are some of my, two of my favorite books of all time. I'm super excited for this. I'm excited for it. The trailer looks amazing. And some big name stars. I mean, Tim Robbins is in it, an Oscar winner, and Rashida Jones, who I'm, oh, I love her, and um, purely for her acting, but but um, but she's a lovely person in every way. And her involvement with Toy Story Four. What? Oh, you should Google that. Okay, yeah, no, that's a that's a whole different thing. Oh, I'm gonna write this down. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But anyhow, like, I think this is like, from my perspective, I mean, this is not something where you, I can think like, oh, authors can count on this because, it, you know, Hugh Howey was like a pioneer in the indie author space. Like he could do things back then that the rest of us can't do today. 
And I think he acknowledges that and he continues to like not tell people to do what he does, but to just, you know, he encourage, keeps encouraging them. And but I think one of the things that's interesting is about all of these, you know, Johnny B. Truant's uh, Fat Vampire got made into Reginald the Vampire on Sci-Fi. There was an urban, another urban fantasy author that I saw last year who her show got made into is being made into something on, um, I think, on uh, on Netflix, is that if you have this IP and it's good and you have a good following, like you just keep writing, you keep writing and like you have these opportunities for something to happen you know, one day and it's not going to happen to all of us, but, um, but I think it's pretty good news that in it, because it's also given some indie authors a little bit more legitimacy. Like before it was just like, Oh, I'm not, we're not even going to look at you because you're an indie author. I just hope this continues. I mean, there is so much great material out there. Like people, Ernest Dempsey and Nick, like if they could make a ser- uh, series out of this stuff, why not? I, I don't see why Look, they, if you can make Sharknado a thing, <laughs> My books aren't that bad, you know. Like they're a little bit better than that. Yeah, just like if I if I were a TV executive, I would hope that I'd be like, well, look at all of this material that you could probably get for cheap. Less. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, there are tons of indie authors who have written great books who are just like, you're gonna make my book into cool. How much do I have to pay you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the problem is it's all politics and nepotism, right? Like it's it's just the the facade is just that and and hollywood is all just a good old boys club you know of like well we'll we'll get this person on the writing team because they're the nephew of the producer of this show not because they're a good writer you know and so then you end up with drivel like lord of the rings i said it what fight me <laughs> let's be more specific drivel like drivelative you mean like the rings of power that whatever the fuck it was called yeah that same shit yeah. <laughs> sorry roland oh, no no I no I mean, your snow cone, buddy but no, no. you think i love rings of power i do no, i think like, like i don't i love i love the lord of the rings fall. overall i love the tolkien <laughs> stuff we, dude, I, I mean, think, we were excited. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like we watched, but I think it. that hard. was headed up by. I mean, well, I don't know. It's headed up, but but it was it, it is like the, to me the epitome of lazy poor writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything else was perfect. Yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff in it, but like it was just you know Absolutely. like you shouldn't have to. I'm gonna go on a rant. You shouldn't have to wait till episode four or five for it to be good. No. Or be or be a super fan because I'm like complaining. Oh, it's so boring on episode two. Oh, just wait for season episode four. Yeah, wait, no, I don't want to. It's like you got Rings of Power and or um, She Hulk. You got the, mm. all these things that that you think I would enjoy, and I eventually enjoy them. But like, why did I have to sit through three or four episodes before it got interesting? Because it's on TV, like as. They say it on Seinfeld. Why are you watching this? Because it's on TV. Because it's on TV. Yeah. I rest my case. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Let's hey. put what Jim likes now. Jim, what do you like? <laughs> I thought Don't Rings of Power was, was really good. I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it, but I ended up enjoying it quite a lot. I also thought Andor was great. I did not watch She-Hulk. I don't think that's for me. I haven't seen anything, and I don't like anything. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to like Rings of Power 2, but around episode 5, I enjoyed it. I thought I wasn't going to like Andor, but around episode 4, it started to get good. Yeah. Andor was great. It I made love, up I, for how bad Book of Boba Fett was. Oh, my God, yeah. 
All right, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. I can't stand Mandalorian or Ted Lasso. What? Mandalorian's okay. Andor is really great. I can understand you not liking Mandalorian, but Ted Lasso is just a good show. I mean, it's like... But I mean, I get it. Maybe it's not your thing. It's, it's I mean, good. You don't like, uh, you, don't like wrong, you, probably, you know, like, you know, it just didn't ever feel there were, I just didn't ever feel like anything was real. It just seemed very like, like trying to explain emotions to a five-year-old kind of thing. <laughs> it just was like really shallow for me. I don't know. It was something about it. I started out really, that's what I started out really liking. But then after a few episodes, I felt as if I'd eaten too much candy. <laughs> this was like too much like oh i feel sick now it's just too much. at first it was like really refreshing like oh breath of fresh air but it staled right. very quickly unfortunately for me hmm. do you hate I us all the, i love the mandalorian roland hates us all i love the mandalorian <laughs> anyway silo's gonna be good though yeah uh, and jim i did enjoy andor I, fi- I actually finished andor last night and I was like, where is the next episode? Yeah. Why is it not here? But you know, they'll, they'll mess up silo somehow though. Right. I hope not. I mean, I, I would hope that they've like, there have been since I think game of Thrones was a problem with the last couple of like the last season in particular, I guess. Right. The writing got sort of, you know, sloppy or rushed or whatever. They wanted to move on to something else. Um, close, you know, like a like an author who's being forced to close out a series that's not doing well. I don't know, but it was weird. As Game of Thrones was doing well, so they just kind of like you know didn't do didn't didn't land didn't um, hit the landing. Didn't stick the landing. Stick the landing. Thank you, Jim. Um, and I think a lot of and there's I think there's I've seen not just me complaining about this this episode three episode four. Wait for it. Wait for it. Like I don't know how many times like mm-hmm. somebody said the obi-wan kenobi show you know they said oh i I complained about not liking that and about thinking it was boring oh just stick with it stick with it stop telling me to stick with it tell the writers to write better from episode one how about they just start with episode four that's so good get rid of one two and three and then try again you know yes they need an editor who says okay (laughs) you don't need those first four chapters like the story starts right here in episode five this is why they need to start making stuff by more indie authors. Indie authors have figured this out. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah, but then they won't choose t- indie TV indie authors to be the writers. They'll be like, oh well, we know television. <laughs> they will. And yeah. like, and what yeah. what Nick says is right about the. I don't know if it's nepotism so much as like you know like they you've oh you had a job here before so you're going to do great. But if you look at some of these people who have written some of these shows like some you look at back some of those shows before and they were pretty bad too so like why did they continue to <laughs> yeah well of like you get hired you get promoted to your level of incompetency right it's like that's got to be part of it too where you're a really really good actor let's make you the director it's like well no, those are two completely different like you know <laughs> creative outlets that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at that i think yeah. writing is the same oh well you're you were a really good summer intern working the front desk at you know the studio Let's make you the head writer of this show. It's like, well, can, have they written anything? Do they know what they're doing, or, or are you just they're there? They're the no, but they got to overhear a lot of the, uh, the writer talk when they were bringing coffee into <laughs> the, to know, the table. Lingo. Yeah. So they they talk a good yeah. And unfortunately, failing upward is a real thing in these companies. Yeah, I don't know how or why that happens, but it's just it's utterly bizarre. I'm I so unforgiven HBO for canning Deadwood to finish Rome. 
because they were bleeding money from that show, which Deadwood was so much better. And well, and to be fair, Rome was amazing. And then they canned yeah. that one because it was too expensive. <laughs> so we got nothing. You we know, got nothing out of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so bitter. I'm sure they'll mess up Silo somehow. They'll be like, actually, the Silo's a woman and we all live inside of it. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, right. Fine. Fine. Whatever. <sighs> Call me sexist. No, I get it. It's sort of like a reverse phallic symbol. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, stick with it, writers. Eventually, your show may or may not be made into a television show, Most and then ru- and then ruined by Hollywood. Most likely not. <laughs> Don't get your hopes. Think of the plus. That's that's on the plus side. Your show will probably never be ruined by Hollywood. That's probably yeah. That's fair. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Unless anyone has any um, more. More to do, more to say. Um, looks like no. Thank you for joining us all, our dear listener to uh, listeners to Author News Weekly. We'll be back next week with more news to, uh, to break down, overthink, and uh, let's try to find something positive for next week. If anyone has any news to share with us, we would love to have it. And um, just just send it to us. You can find a, you know, links to everything in the show notes. And uh, let's uh, tell everybody where you can where they can find you. Craig? CraigAhart.com or ThrillerCraig.com. Both go to the same place. Oh, Thriller Craig, that's your married name. Where do they go? Like a Pornhub or something? <laughs> they'll, they'll, you'll find out. Oh, okay. Oh, Speaking of Pornhub, Just Nick, turn off safe find you? Before, you, before you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Nick. You can find me at NickThacker.com. Jim? I'm Jim Heskett, and you can find me at JimHeskett.com. Pewter.com. I'm Roland Denzel, and you can find me at indestructibleauthor.com, or also I set up rolanddenzel.com, so you can find me there too. I know. Easy. Easy peasy. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week of writing, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.